It's showing. Welcome to another episode of Thought Process. My name is Marco. I'm here with Greg. Today, we are doing a a second episode of our new series called Rabbit Hole. And um, yeah, regularly we do a haiku. Today, we're going to do a short story uh, that's relevant to the times that we're experiencing right now. Um, By the way, today is July... 9th 2020 it's been about six and a half months since we were hit with this global pandemic and uh yeah let's get into it so the story today is spanish flu the deadliest pandemic in history in 1918 a strain of influenza known as spanish flu caused a global pandemic spreading rapidly and killing indiscriminately young old sick and otherwise healthy people all became infected and at least 10 percent of patients died estimates vary on the exact number of deaths caused by this disease but it is thought to have infected a third of the world's population and killed at least 50 million people making it the deadliest pandemic in modern history although at the time it gained the nickname spanish flu It's unlikely that the virus originated in Spain. So why is that even? Oh, there we go. What caused the Spanish flu? You know, actually, one thing, it says that uh, that it infected a third of the world's population and killed Mm -hmm. at least 50 million people. Yeah. Like, even right now with this, we're nowhere near that. And we don't have a vaccine or anything like... That's well, I guess 50 million would be over the lifetime of before having some kind of thing to find out, fight off the Spanish flu. Oh, yeah. I mean, they didn't have nothing. They didn't have anything. They, it was new. They, they had no way of, of getting rid of it. I guess you got to figure out what the difference between flu and, um, and viruses. Because why is that a Spanish flu where COVID is a virus? Um, well, it says that it was called the Spanish flu. It's unlikely that the virus, they say it's a virus, originated in Spain. So I think it was just a nickname, the name, that might have been different. Hey. Yeah. Um, Let me get the description of... Uh, uh, oh, it's actually not just called flu. You have to type in influ, influenza, influenza to get the, the description. So influenza, commonly known as the flu, is an infectious disease caused by an influenza virus. So it's still technically a virus. It's just influenza virus. So we just get rid of the word virus and call it flu. So right. there is no difference between in the sense of what it is between COVID-19 and Spanish flu, they're, they're both still a virus. Yeah. It's just a different strain, right? So why don't you get into what caused the Spanish flu? Let's do it. The, the outbreak of the Spanish flu began in 1918 during the final months of world war one. Oof. Imagine having world war one and freaking the, this uh, Spanish flu where you're supposed to stay inside. And yeah. not go near anyone. <laughs> Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. Maybe that would have stopped the war if we all just went inside, huh? So it's it's actually, if you read a little further, it says that historians now believe that the conflict may have been partly responsible for spreading the virus. <laughs> so if they were, well, if they were just social distancing <laughs> and wearing masks. They were not trying to kill each other with guns. They were definitely killing each other with something else. Right. It's almost like having like a poison uh, covered bullets. Like imagine someone with a flu putting every bullet in a gun and like you just get grazed by a bullet. You're not dying from that. You're dying from the flu. Yeah. Well, Oof. wasn't wasn't it the was it the first world war or the second world war where they started using mustard gas? I mean, that was bad enough. I mean, that would just yeah, well, e- eat up your organs. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's, I'm going to continue on with it. Uh, it says here on the Western Front, soldiers living in cramped, dirty, and damp conditions became ill. This was a direct result of weakened immune systems from malnourishment. Their illnesses, uh, which were known as la gripe, la gripe, la gripe. La gripe? That's weird. Like, why would they? Oh, Spanish flu. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> were uh, infectious and spread among the ranks within around three days of becoming ill many soldiers would start to feel better but not all would make it i mean that's exactly what it sounds like some people it affects more than others yeah i mean just a regular flu you know yeah so uh it says during the summer of 1918 uh as troops began to return home on leave they brought with them, the undetected virus that had made them ill. The virus spread across cities, towns, and villages uh, in the soldiers' home countries. Many of those infected, both soldiers and civilians, did not recover rapidly. The virus was hardest on young adults between the ages of 20 and 30 who had previously been healthy. Wow. So, I mean, this is, this is exactly what we're seeing right now yeah like whoa well check this out let's even let's get even deeper to this it says in 2014 a new theory i don't know who theorized this uh but they said about the origin so a new theory about the origins of the virus suggested that it first emerged in china National Geographic reported previously undiscovered records linked the flu to the transportation of Chinese laborers, the Chinese Labor Corps, across Canada in 1917 and 1918. The laborers were mostly farm workers from remote parts of rural China, according to Mark Humphrey's book The Last Plague from University of Toronto. Uh, 2013, they spent six days in sealed train containers as they were transported across the country before continuing to France. There, they were required to dig trenches, unload trains, lay tracks, build roads, and repair damaged tanks. In all, over 90,000 workers were mobilized to the Western Front. Wow. So, so the Spanish flu came from China, too? I mean, you know how they say that history is known (laughs) to repeat itself? That's exactly what I was going to say, dude. Fuck. (laughs) <laughs> so Humphreys explains that in one count of 25,000 Chinese laborers in 1918, some 3,000 ended their Canadian journey in medical quarantine. At the time, because of racial stereotypes, their illness was blamed on Chinese laziness, and Canadian doctors did not take the workers' symptoms seriously. 
By the time the laborers arrived in northern France in early 1918, many were sick and hundreds were soon dying. Oh, man. Whoa, dude. So, look. Picture. The type is wearing a mask to prevent influenza. Well, not influenza, though. Well, influenza is, is just the word the, for flu, the flu, which is a type of virus. But then we're specifically talking Spanish flu, yeah. In 1918, we, so we were seeing two things, quarantine and masks being used. Just a regular medical mask. That doesn't even look like a medical mask. That looks like a t-shirt she probably cut up and tied I mean, up. I mean, that's, I'm sure that's what medical masks were like back then before they got all sophisticated and whatnot. But yeah. it's just interesting that it's really interesting to see that this is like we're going back in time and we're reliving the same thing we just we're going through right now. Yeah. So why was it called the Spanish flu? Spain was one of the earliest countries where the epidemic was identified, but historians believe this was likely a result of wartime censorship. Spain was a neutral nation during the war and did not enforce strict censorship of its press, which could therefore freely publish early accounts of the illness. As a result, people falsely believed that the illness was specific to Spain and the name Spanish flu stuck. Huh, makes sense. Even in the late spring 1918, a Spanish news service sent word to Reuters, London office informing the news agency that a strange form of disease of epidemic character has appeared in Madrid. The epidemic is a of mild nature, no deaths having been reported, according to Henry Davis' book, The Spanish Flu. Within two weeks of the report, more than 100,000 people had become infected with the flu. Oh man, that's so crazy. The illness struck the king of Spain, Alfonso, what is it, the ninth, along with leading politicians. Between 30% and 40% of people who worked or lived in confined areas, such as schools, barracks, and government buildings, became infected. Service on the Madrid tram system had to be reduced, and the telegraph service was disturbed. In both cases, because there were not enough healthy employees available to work, medical supplies and services could, couldn't keep up with the demand. The term Spanish influenza rapidly took a hold in Britain. According to Neil Johnson's book, Britain and the 1918-1919 influenza pandemic. The British press blamed the flu epidemic in Spain on the Spanish weather. The dry, windy Spanish spring is an unpleasant and unhealthy season, read one article in the Times. It was suggested that microbe-laden dust was being spread by the high winds in Spain, meaning that Britain's wet climate might stop the flu from spreading there. And then, you so... Know, really a lot of that... Uh-huh. A lot of that sounds like things that we kind of talk about, like the whole thing about Britain having a wet climate might stop the flu. Just like how they're saying, like, uh, sunny climates reduce the amount of... Uh, of cases that we have in California compared to it's, New York. Yeah, it sounds like speculation. It sounds like they yeah. don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> so we're actually, so just if you guys, to catch you guys up to speed, we are reading these stories. Um, and pardon, I think we're having some, gosh, Greg, I think we're having some, have you checked? 
Uh, I've seen it. It's a little, it's a little meh. The sound sounds fine though. Yeah. Um, so just to get everyone up to speed, we're reading this article on LiveScience.com forward slash Spanish slash flu. Um, and uh, right now, where we're at at the story, there's a picture of two medical workers hauling a person. And then the description says, member of the Red Cross gave a demonstration at an emergency ambulance station in Washington, D.C., during the influenza pandemic of 1918. So that's what it could, I guess it's, that's what it could look like here in the States. Um, Some nice boots they got on there though. (laughs) (laughs) Then And you can can see the masks too, huh? Yeah. You see the women with the mask, but that guy doesn't have one on. Well, that guy is supposed to be dying. And then the (laughs) the other woman, the other, no, 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 I'm not talking about the one laying down on the left side of the picture. Oh, I don't know. Is this military or maybe it's it just looks a medical military, worker? But I mean, it says members of the Red Cross give a demonstration. So I don't yeah. think they were sick. So, so he does have a mask. And then there's a girl in the background. You can see a mask on her neck, but it's not covering her face. Yeah. So, so Greg, um, get into what were the symptoms of the flu? Uh, the initial symptoms of the illness included a sore head and tiredness <laughs> a sore head what does that mean like a headache <laughs> <laughs> followed by a dry hacking cough a loss of appetite stomach problems and then on the second day excessive sweating that, that's one thing that's kind of been annoying whenever you hear like oh what, what's the symptoms like it's almost always the same thing well, so it's like, do, did I get the Spanish flu or did I get COVID-19? You got the flu. I'm not sure. You got the flu. That's what you got. <laughs> well, the strain no, is a, different, but you got yeah. the flu. That's so, that's the flu. So next, the illness could affect the respiratory organs and uh, pneumonia could develop. So did I get the Spanish flu or COVID-19? Still not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Humphreys explains that uh, pneumonia or other respiratory complications brought about by the flu were often the main causes of death. This explains why it is difficult to determine exact numbers killed by the flu, as the listed cause of death was often something other than the flu. Yeah, I mean, it sounds familiar. Yeah. By the summer of 1918, this is kind of weird. It keeps like, it keeps saying by the summer. Everything I keep reading says summer, summer, summer. Like we're skipping around or something. Uh, but by the summer of 1918, the virus was quickly spreading to other countries in mainland Europe, Vienna and Budapest, Hungary. That's weird. The way that says that Vienna and Budapest. Hungary were suffering, and parts of Germany and France were similarly affected. Many children in Berlin schools were reported ill and absent from school. An absence in what the heck is armament factories? Armament factories? Oh, okay. Her armament reduced production. Everything probably reduced production. No one wanted to go outside. Right. 
Um, by June 25th, 1918, the flu epidemic in Spain had reached Britain. In July, the epidemic was hitting the London textile trade hard, with one factory having 80 out of 400 workers go home sick in one evening alone, according to the Spanish influenza pandemic of 1918 to 1919. New perspectives. Um, in London, reporters on uh, government workers absent due to the flu range from 25% to 50% of the workforce. The epidemic had rapidly become a pandemic, uh, making its way around the world. In August 1918, six Canadian sailors died on the St. Lawrence River. In the same month, cases were reported among the Swedish army. Uh, then in the country, then in the country's civilian population, and also among South Africa's uh, laboring population. By September, the flu had reached the U.S. through Boston Harbor. So then there's another picture. It says, officials feared mass hysteria in major cities. Citizens were urged to stay indoors and avoid, and avoid congested areas. Here, policemen patrolled the streets to ensure public safety. Wow. You know what this is kind of telling me? Huh? It says right here, the pandemic, or, yeah, it, it lasted from 1918 to 1919. Yeah. That's telling me that what we're doing now it's going to go to the end of the year. They're going oh, to extend this to January. Oh, yeah. I mean, the way it's going. I mean, if we're in July. We only have five, four and a half months left. Yeah, there's one of two things. In three weeks, everything will open up and they don't care anymore. Or are they going to extend it to next year? Yeah. So, but this is a good thing to actually look at because... It can uh, show what what happened in the aftermath. Because if this affected a third of the population in a in a negative way, as in they died, then uh, it not doing that same effect, COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. it's definitely a lot less. Um, this may show us a way to uh, come out the other side ahead, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely. I mean, it sounds similar, right? So let's see what happens. So what advice were people given? Doctors were at a loss as to what to recommend to their patients. Many physicians urged people to avoid crowded places or simply other people. Others suggested remedies including eating cinnamon, drinking wine, or even drinking Oxo's meat drink, beef broth. Doctors also told... Huh? Never heard it be called that before. Oxo's meat drink? Yeah, it's, it sounds like um, like oxtail. oxtail. Dude, they're the, ones who, they're the ones who create most of the stock cubes, herbs and spices, dried gravies and yeast extracts. So we've been using it even though we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Because doctors also told people to keep their mouths and noses covered in public, a.k.a. wear a mask. At one point... The the use of aspirin was blamed for causing the pandemic when it might actually have helped those infected. 5G, bro. Huh? 5G? 5G. (laughs) Wait, why? I don't know. 5G will let you uh, communicate faster with your doctors. So, (laughs) and they say 5G, uh, 
transfers the the disease. What? Yeah, they say that five G. Hang on, how? Where'd you get? The, where'd you get this five G from here? Because right here it says aspirin. At one point, the use of aspirin was blamed for causing the pandemic. Uh-huh. And so replace aspirin with five G. At one point, the use of five G was blamed for causing the pandemic. So you're saying that people are blaming the five G? Yeah. Really? I, I I never really heard it. You've never heard that? No. I mean, oh. I heard that. Oh, people were going to be getting sick because of five G. I remember that, but it wasn't like. I think that's just silly. Yeah. Um, on June 28th, 1918, a public notice appeared in the British paper to advising people of the symptoms of the flu. However, it turned out this was actually an advertisement for, for man mints, a tablet made and sold by a vitamin company. Even as people were dying, there was money to be made by advertising fake cures. The advert stated that the mints were the best means of preventing the infective processes. Damn. And that everyone, including children, should suck four or five of these tablets a day until they felt better. Dude, that's so messed up. What the hell? So the, these companies are advertising to people saying that it's going to help with their symptoms of the flu. Yeah. And, that's, and it was not true. And they made millions of dollars for that. So Americans were offered similar advice about how to avoid getting infected. They were advised not to shake hands with others, to stay indoors, to avoid touching library books, and to wear masks. The New York City Department of Health strictly enforced a sanitary code amendment that made spitting in the streets illegal, according to a review published in the Journal of Public Health Reports. Wow. I mean, they were kind of on the money. We're still using this technology today. Uh, World War I resulted in a shortage of doctors in some areas, uh, and many of the physicians who were left became ill themselves. Schools and other buildings became makeshift hospitals, and medical students had to take the place of doctors in some instances. Wow. Interesting. There's another picture of... It seems uh, nurses preparing masks to prevent the spread of influenza. Wow. All right. How many people died? Let's let's see here. By the spring, finally, we're out of summer. By the spring of 19... Wait, we skipped a lot of the... the I think it's the we next skipped year. All of, uh, it's the yeah, next year. Spring of 1919. So we skipped uh, winter. wonder what happened. Uh, so by the spring of 1919, the numbers of deaths from the Spanish flu were decreasing. Uh, countries were left devastated in the wake of the outbreak as medical professionals had been unable to halt the spread of the disease. The pandemic echoed what had happened 500 years earlier when the Black Death wrecked chaos around the world. I heard the Black Death was way worse than Spanish flu. Oh, I would love to get into the Black Plague another time. Like people were coughing up blood, just like they'd be fine, and then like two seconds later, they're just like coughing blood. Yep. All right. So Nancy uh, Bershow's book, American Pandemic: The Lost Worlds of the 1918 Influenza Epidemic, explains that the virus affected as many as 500 million people around the world. Can you look up how many people 
are uh, alive in the world right now. Uh, at the time, this represented a third of the global population. As many as 50 million people died from the virus, though the true figure is thought to be even higher. We're able to see how many... Um, my internet's being a little weird. Let me look it up on my phone. I got it. World population. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to guess how many, how many do you think, Greg? I'm going to say 7.6 billion people. Uh, it's a 7.8 billion people. Damn. So I'll just say 8, 8 billion people because it keeps Oh, that's interesting. There's a counter I'm looking at. And you can see that the population goes up, but you can see these little stutters that it goes like down one person. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of trippy. Pretty messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty much pretty much we'll just say eight billion to make it easy. Okay. Seven point seven point eight almost. Um seven point eight and it said what? That there was five hundred million? So we've 50 million people, no? Or what? Yeah. We're almost we're we're yeah, we're about 7 billion people more in the world right now. From that time? Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. <laughs> that number's got to be skewed, dude. I don't think that's true, but anyway, let's let's keep going with it. <laughs> uh all right. Uh, Bristow estimates that the virus infected as much as 25% of the U.S. population, and among members of the U.S. Navy, this number reached up to 40%, possibly due to the conditions of serving at sea. The flu had killed 200,000 Americans by the end of October 1918, and Bristow claims that the pandemic killed over 675,000 Americans in total. The impact on the population was so severe that in 1918, American life expectancy was reduced by 12 years. Wow. Which is weird because how do you reduce life expectancy? I don't know. That's kind of weird to me. Uh, bodies piled up to such an extent uh, that cemeteries were overwhelmed and families had to dig graves for their relatives the deaths created a shortage of farm workers which affected the late summer harvest as in britain a lack of staff and resources put other services such as waste collection under pressure the pandemic spread to asia africa south america and the south pacific in india the mortality rate reached 50 deaths per thousand people a shocking figure. That's pretty crazy. Wow. Uh, now we're going to be talking about the, uh, how does it compare to the seasonal flu? Yeah. So how does this compare to seasonal flu? The Spanish flu remains the most deadly flu pandemic to date by a long shot. Having killed an estimated one to 1% 1 to 3% of the world's population. At the time, the most recent comparable flu pandemic occurred in 2009 to 2010 after a new form of the H1N1 influenza strain appeared. 
The disease was named the swine flu because the virus that causes it is similar to the one found in pigs, not because the virus came from pigs. The swine flu caused respiratory illnesses that killed an estimated 151 million people. Let's say 152 million people worldwide in the first year, according to the to the CDC. And that was about 0.001% to 0.007% of the world's population. So this pandemic was much less impactful than the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. About 80% of the deaths caused by swine flu occurred in people younger than 65, which was unusual. Typically, 70% of to 90% of deaths caused by seasonal influenza are in people older than 65. A vaccine for the influenza strain that causes swine flu is now included in annual flu vaccines. People still die from the flu every year, but the numbers are far lower on average compared to those for swine flu or Spanish flu pandemics. And annual epidemics of seasonal flu result in about 3 million to 5 million cases of severe illness and about 290,000 to 650,000 deaths, according to the World Organization, the WHO. Well, 650,000 people start dying from, from just a regular flu. That's crazy. And that kind of brings us into the into the main topic today, which is vaccines. Um, so Craig and I, you know, we're going to get into um, it, just the conversation. OK, we're not doctors. We don't know what we're talking about. We're just doing research as you string along and listen and um yeah, let's see what we can get into. So, you know, Greg, I, this whole time I've had this one question keep popping up in my mind. Why do you think people are scared of taking vaccines? Greg? I can't hear you. If you guys are still listening, give us a second. I think we're having some internet issues um or maybe it's youtube trying to take us down <laughs> who knows a minute we're trying to get back up on air I can hear your sound. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, do you want to just continue or you want to? Yeah, let's go. And it should catch up. Or actually, it looks like it froze. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> that's weird, huh? 
Yeah. It says weren't. We have excellent. So hopefully it catches up. Yeah, it looks fine. What's that? It looks good. It looks good now. Sounds fine, and it doesn't look like it's lagging. So you were talking about uh, vaccines. Yeah. So yeah. So let's get back into the main topic today, which is the vaccines. Um, yeah, Greg, why do you think people are scared of ta- of taking vaccines? Uh, I think one of the things is you're uh, you don't know what people are putting in things now. Like it, it seems like it started off as a way of uh, of helping. And now people are trying to take advantage. So, like, let's also. let's say uh, I don't know. They they have things that are small enough, like small trackers, to put in you. And who knows? Maybe they want to know exactly where you are. Maybe they're not listening to the conversations, not a camera or something. Just curious where people go. But don't and you think a, that it's a way of putting it in a vaccine? And now people want the vaccine because the vaccine, sure, it works. It saves you from getting sick. But at the same time, now they're putting in this secondary thing that has nothing to do with the vaccine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I think. So let me bring up this point. Don't you think that they already have that? I mean, we can't go anywhere without a phone. So with the phone, with the cookies that you get on your phone, the GPS location, why would they need a a tracking device for people to know where we are? Well, I mean, it could be plenty of other things. It could be people, uh, it it could be, all right, when when you're sick, you're probably highly prone to getting upset about something. So like, Let's say you're sick and your wife comes in and she wakes you up because she wants to make sure you're, you're fine and, and you eat something. You're going to get mad at her that she woke you up because you don't feel good and you're not hungry. But all she was trying to do was help you. So okay. if they can control if – if something can control your, your attitude – and maybe influence you to have a better attitude when you go to a store. You'll most likely buy something, even if you walked in with a different attitude. If some, if they can change the way your emotions are working, they can manipulate, in a, in a sense, how you are uh, going to react to a situation. So you're talking about total control over people. In a sense, sure. Wouldn't you think that social media already does that in a sense? Yeah, but everything is to like a degree. Like social media can't – like if I bring up my phone right now and let's see. I'll swipe over to the side and see the first product um, that comes up. Uh, Okay, the first thing that comes up that has anything to do with money is it says the return of the $70 video game has been a long time coming. So what it is, is it's saying, oh, video games are going to jump up to 70 bucks. They've been 60 bucks for so long. 
but like we know what's going to happen because it's a trend. Games used to cost ten dollars, they cost twenty dollars, then they cost thirty, then it was forty, then it was fifty, then it was sixty, then it was seventy. Everything keeps going up, and what what that's trying to do is just prepare you for it. So tell you now, get upset now, so that you're not mad when it actually comes out. You're just like you're already ready for it. Um, the only argument about that that I have is you don't need to prep anyone for anything. Like when it comes to selling things, they, they sell them as people buy them. So if there's a market and people are buying things, of course, they're going to exploit the market. But it's not like planned. Like we don't really know what's going to go viral when it comes to products or sure you know we have we have engineers and people who and psychologists working together to to get the best out of the social media experience and get more engagement yeah they do that but it's part of the business it's part of the they're doing their research to see how much more money they can bring and now with data collecting i mean that that's a different ball game so now they're collecting everything you have on your phone, everything you did, every click, everything, right? In, uh-huh. in, 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 in order for them to, and I say them, companies, social media, uh, data collection companies, in order for them to sell you things better or faster. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, they do do that. But when it comes to, it just, it's so far-fetched to me. That somebody would want to track us when we've already given that right. We've already given up that right. And we did it when we started using cell phones. Okay, so do you semi know the basics of how a vaccine works? Uh, well, from what I understand, it's basically that they give you a, a part of the virus... So that your body starts making antibodies in order to kill it. And so when it's um, affected with the real disease, the virus already knows what to do with it. Yeah, so what, what it, an easy explanation is uh, a puzzle piece. Like puzzle pieces are shaped kind of funky. So what they'll do is they'll take, a, they'll take something that's similar to the puzzle piece, part of it, so that your your body takes the takes that and puts it in its memory base of 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 like bad bad things things that it can fight off and when it sees the real thing it already has a leg up on defeating it so your body is just putting something in its memory base of oh, okay this is uh this is bad when i see this design i'm going to go fight it mhm and so when it comes down to the vaccine, sure, that's what it is. But people aren't trusting that that's all that it is. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, where did the mistrust come from? Why are people mis- mistrust, like not trusting it? Now, I understand if you're skeptical about putting things you don't know into your body. I mean, you really don't know, right? So there's always that fear. 
Um, but let's. I have a list here of, and I'm and I'm not saying I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm not saying uh-huh. I haven't gotten vaccinated. I mean, I, I, I mean, in Mexico, I think we were mandated. Like you had to get rabies shots. I don't know. What, I, there's this. I thing, got the stuff that this you vaccine get as a kid. That as a kid, you know, in Mexico, I mean, it's it, you you have it for life. It, it leaves this mark. I forget which one it is. But here are just a, a, a small list of things that have been eradicated through vaccines. So we have number one, polio. Number two, tetanus. The influenza, the flu, to a degree. To a degree. <clears throat> uh, number four, hepatitis B. Mm-hmm. Hepatitis A. Rubella. Which is, I've never heard of that one before. Have you? What What was it? It sounded like you said favela. Rubella? Rubella? No, Rubella no. is spread by coughing and sneezing. It is especially dangerous for a pregnant woman and a developing baby. If an unvaccinated pregnant woman gets infected with rubella, she can have miscarriage or her baby could die just after birth. Also, you know, I did hear about that today for the first time. You heard about this disease? Yeah. Because my neighbor just had a baby two days ago, uh-huh. and then I saw him today for the first time, and we were talking about it, and he said that, and I had no clue what that was. So, that's interesting. Yeah, it's also, also she can pass the disease to her developing baby, who can develop serious birth defects. Make sure you... Well. Number seven, HIV. <laughs> Not HIV. The hip. As in HIB? HIB as in boy. Or its official name, Hemophilus Influenza Type B. Isn't a, as well known as some of the other diseases thanks to vaccines. Hib can do some serious damage to our child's immune systems and cause brain damage, hearing loss, or even death. Hib mostly affects kids under 5 years old before the vaccine. Over 20,000 kids were infected each year. That's about 400 yellow school buses worth of kids. So of these kids, one of in five suffered brain damage or became deaf. Even with treatment, as many as of one of out of 20 kids with hip meningitis dies. So it's meningitis or hip meningitis? I wonder if it's meningitis. I mean, I don't know. It's I think there's both. different forms of meningitis. Yeah. So that's hip. Then we have the measles and the whooping cough. Whooping cough is pretty common-ish. Yeah. So the whooping cough and then pneumococcal disease. We also have rotavirus. This is what Greg sounds like he has most days. Rotavirus is contagious and can have cause severe watery diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one does that? Rotavirus? The Rona? Rota? Rota? R-O-T-A. I probably had that too because <laughs> I had. <laughs> uh, number 12, got the mumps. And then the chicken Rona. pox. Dude. Did you, you had chicken pox already? Oh, man. Dude, I had I got it in Mexico. I got chicken pox in Mexico. My sister never took me to the doctors. 
You don't need to go to the doctors. Well, I know you don't need to go, but it, I mean, I was covered in in um, blisters all over my body. I, you know, I didn't know what to do. They didn't have anything to give me to make me feel better. I just had to stick through it. It's, and it was like, it was crazy. I just remember lying I remember. down on the, um, on the floor just so I can feel some of the cold, like on tile or something, <laughs> because I could, I could barely bear, bear it. It was pretty, it's pretty bad. I, I got scarred, man. I got like a ton of scars on my back. I don't know. Remember pops. getting it? No. Mm-mm, not at all. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, I guess all I, kids get it at one point. I got it. No, it's actually you. You can't avoid getting it. Like it's not. A lot of kids don't. But what happens is a lot of parents will expose a kid to it if they haven't gotten it. There's like I think there's like a certain. I think it's around like fifth grade. If you haven't gotten it by then. Parents probably will expose the kid to it because it, the the older you get, the worse it is. Because there's a, another form of it um, that you can get when you when you get older. Um, uh, I can't remember what the name of it is. Uh, adult form of chickenpox. Um, Um, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. It's, uh, I don't say measles, but it's not. Mm-mm. It's got a funky name. Some... <sighs> I can't believe I Shing- think shingles. shingles. Shingles, yeah. Yeah, my mom got shingles twice. Oh, man. It's, yeah, dude. She had this, like, ringing bell that she would do. <laughs> so... I mean, 14 diseases or whatnot that have been eradicated through vaccines. So, I mean, we have to think about this, right? Yeah. But the real, the thing is that we really don't know what they're putting in it. We, I mean, they're professionals. That's what they do. So we kind, we're kind of left at their will, you know? Yeah. Well, a lot of the... You asked a question earlier about where the like mistrust came from. It's from all those, all the drugs that are out there. Like you go, you go onto a like a on the TV and you watch. You'll probably see a commercial for drugs. Like who is advertising drugs? Like why why are there advertisements on TV? Like go to your doctor if you're sick with something. Use something that's useful for that. There should have just be an advertisement on TV saying like, uh, uh, you can take this drug, but uh, you have the possibility of diarrhea, upset stomach, a uh, small chance of death if you have asthma. Uh, make sure not to take it if you have herpes of the eye, uh, of the uh, if you've ever got a cut in your anal cavity. Like, what? <laughs> That's why there's mistrust. Because like, what the hell? Like, we we shouldn't be advertising simple you, medicine. You know what? You know what I think it is. I think that it's a lot of people have certain health issues that they don't take mm-hmm. care of right away. So there are these companies who who will say, "Well, a lot of you guys don't care that you have this disease, but now you can get rid of it." 
somewhat. I'm not saying completely. I'm not saying I trust them because, like you said, it cures something, but it causes like 10 different side effects that it's like, why are you even, you know, what? what's the point of even um, taking the medication if you're going to get serious side effects, you know? Yeah. So it doesn't make sense. So I, I, I get that. But you know what? I think that the fear of vaccination came from conspiracy theories or misinformation. And I wouldn't say conspiracy theories because some of them are true. I would say more misinformation on Google, you know, on Wikipedia, on online. I mean, misinformation on the internet. You go into a forum, some person you know, puts 20 hours of their day just to get a point across in a thread from their own personal experience. Sometimes they have basis. Sometimes they don't have anything. There's no basis for that argument that they're making. So, and then now if you, if you think about it, most of people's lives is starting to be online. Have you noticed that? Yeah. It's it's been a little weird, but I've seen I've seen it more lately. Um, kids at an early age start to be online more. They're on, they're watching YouTube videos. They're watching TV. Um, and so, I think it's more probable that people will go in there for answers. And you know, I mean, we know trolls. I mean, I'm sure you've trolled before online and you kind of said something you didn't mean i mean we kind of do that on this podcast where we where we're getting into these things that we really don't understand and and you know i hope that the that what you guys get from this is that we really don't understand this and and we're looking for answers just like you are and so you don't have to be alone like we can actually go and look for these answers together and um I mean, you know, just talking about vaccines, some of you guys will have a, you know, you, you, you would have had this idea in in your mind that you maybe heard it somewhere. And then just because you heard it somewhere, it means that you won't do it or, and vice versa. Like, you know, there needs to be a balance. Like we need to know what's in it, who's making it. And like what's behind it? I mean, nowadays we can't trust anyone, especially big corporations who are after exploiting the livelihoods of people. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's a whole different thing, you know, corporations. But I mean, that's one of the things that, that, that does matter. Like how I always say like life hasn't really changed. Like you, you look back and you see the kings and king, the kings and queens living it up while the peasants are are suffering and the peasants are doing doing the work so that the kings and queens can have all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's that way right now. Like I, I I was looking between the how much Bill Gates is worth. Uh huh. Um, estimated one hundred and five point six billion dollars. And then I was looking at how much Jeff Bezos is worth, since Jeff Bezos is the richest man, 160 billion, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Bezos has 55 billion dollars 
more than Bill Gates. So he's he's one third richer. Mm-hmm. These two guys have enough to support the world. Well, they can literally he, be everyone's sugar daddies. Here, here you go, Greg. And and you might not like this in, this answer. Actually, I had this thought just the other day. I said, well, if all the wealthy people in the world get together and, you know, feed the world for a day, which is possible, it wouldn't make a difference because the next day it's going to go back to the same thing. Now, you want to talk about solving poverty? You won't fix poverty with with just money you need ideas you need education you need people to be self-sustainable if these people are to give you things for free it's like i i think they understand this as a general rule people won't necessarily change if you're given things um if you're given something for free you won't appreciate it as much as or as if you were to work for it. And I think that that's where. Yes what? and no. Yes and no. You may not have as much appreciation. But let's say someone gave you free education. You wouldn't have as much appreciation for the education. As the person who had to work a full time job. And go to school full time. Mm-hmm. They have the understanding of what it took to work. To be able to do it on their own. Yeah, But it doesn't mean that you still won't use that education in the same way. You just don't have the same understanding of the struggle of the other person having to work full time to be able to pay for it. So yes, when you're given something, you may have a different appreciation of it, but it doesn't mean that you're using it in a different, in a different form. Okay. So let me ask you this. We're, we're lucky to be in, in, in the U S we were given okay. the opportunity, okay? We're given the opportunity to go to free public school, go to community college. I didn't graduate from college. We weren't given any free opportunity for college, but... Of course we were. Not free, no. I mean, being compared to uh, to the rest of the world. I think you know, working a part-time by going to, and going to college is more than feasible, Maybe. So we didn't take up on that opportunity, although we have it. So what I'm saying is, even if they were to make college free, which I agree with, I don't think that people would necessarily be enticed to going to college. I think it's the fundamental idea of education that needs to be changed here. I mean, this is a whole different topic. But what I'm saying is, if you were to give the world money, it wouldn't fix evil. You would still have people be greedy. You wouldn't fix violence. You wouldn't fix um, anything, really. Because the things is not about money. It's not material. It's about ideas and education. It's why we have poverty. Yes. Sure. And so so if we if we look at that, and we look at how kings and queens lived before. I mean, back in the day, you're still taking a dump in a pot and having to go have your servant throw it away. Mm-hmm. It wasn't luxurious living. 
but it sure as hell was super luxurious for the time. Yeah. So like that's what I'm saying. Like the, the times are the same. Like we we live in in the in the crappier side of the times. So like it's still it's still kind of the same, yes. and that's where the mistrust. I, 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 I get I get I get I get what you're saying, um, but I also hear that yes, there's similarities, and this is why. We have to have rules. As people, we have to have rules. If we have if we have no rules, it's chaos and anarchy. Nothing would ever get done. Nothing would ever get done. We wouldn't progress. Technology wouldn't get better. We would probably have no technology right now. If we didn't have rules to follow. So what happens is... If we set rules, someone needs to govern that the rules aren't changed all the time. Basically, it's where our, our, our constitution is. And we kind of went over that last week. If, you know, people would get... Because people are inherently addicted to power. We love power as people. And so, you know whatever your reason is to gain more power over people is your own reason, but it's likely that it'll happen than not. So if we don't have these sets of rules or governing government bodies that are so-called democratic in a sense, and that they all basically, um, they make sure that the one party or one branch of the government doesn't, have more power than the other and they have their checks and balances and whatnot. It's easier to manage people. And, and that's what the rules, if you want to think about kings and queens, yes, they were different kingdoms. Some were battling it out. And and yeah, that's kind of what's going on. But it doesn't mean that you know if they would just give up their power, things would be okay. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying, but that's where the uh, mistrust comes from, though, is is the uh, is the actions it takes to get to that position, the things that have been done over time that people start to to mistrust, like people don't like the Amazon company because of this that and the other so it causes mistrust in enough people to where when you hear certain things like different conspiracy theories or when something small happens here or there that people start to mistrust companies or mistrust in this case we're talking about bill gates and jeff bezos yeah you start to mistrust them because you don't know where they where they lie yeah, that's, so that's true. That's what mistrust comes into. And in, play in fact, I think there was a huge um, rumor going around that Bill Gates Foundation wanted to implant people with a small microchip through a vaccine. Right? Yeah. Because I think he talked about it, about there, there could be some kind of microchip planted. That that can help, but 
they never actually made anything. Yeah. Um, are you talking about the, um, here, let me, I'm pulling it up right now. It's the one I sent you earlier, which was the cryptocurrency system using body activity data. No. Uh, nope. I wasn't able to pull that one up. So there's a patent that is apparently owned by the Gates Foundation, which is called the cryptocurrency system using body activity data. Mm-hmm. And it says... Human body activity associated with the task provided to a user may be used in a mining process of cryptocurrency system. A server may provide a task to a device of a user which is communicatively coupled to the server. A sensor communicatively coupled to or comprised in the device of the user may sense body activity of the user. Body activity data may be generated based on the sense body activity of the user. The cryptocurrency system communicatively coupled to the device of the user may be may verify if the body activity activity data satisfies one or more conditions set by the cryptocurrency system and award cryptocurrency to the user whose body activity data is verified. So talking about I mean <laughs> you were talking yep. about the mark of the beast or what? <laughs> <laughs> that that's what's uh that's that's crazy. I was actually I remember you did send that and I, I couldn't figure out why because I clicked the link. I didn't read what you sent. Um <laughs> but yeah I think that's why some people like they came up with these ideas and they may be basic good ideas, but it's something that they know like has been uh, uh, what prophesized, and they're just like they gotta try to change it. Like I was eating, I was eating those gummies, those adult multivitamins, and I was reading the description on the back, and it there was uh, folate six six six. I was like, "Oh, did I just did I just ingest the mark of the beast? Was I was I just fooled?" Well, Greg, wouldn't like, you think that there that maybe you're just looking at that number as a coincidence? Maybe, but like that's what over time you just get mistrust because of like things that may not even have to do with the company or may not even have to do with something like. There can be some kind of logo on a packaging, and it would instantly make you not trust the company. Yeah. It's, it's like it kind of <laughs> ties back to this whole concept right now. You have one ex- bad experience with a cop, and now all cops are bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm just – I'm kind of just taking in all this information right now, and I'm kind of thinking about – yeah, I mean we've we've given up the right of not being ex- of not being exploited a long time ago. Yeah. Before we were born. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I I get the fear. I understand people who are fearful. But also on the other hand, it, it would be like 
kind of like what Elon Musk was talking about with Neuralink. It's AI is inevitable. You either join it or we, or you die. Or you you either adapt or you don't. And so it's one of those things like at what cost are we willing to sacrifice our body's data in order to never have disease anymore? Like, are we ready to have that conversation? See, like to me, that that makes me not trust Elon Musk. The whole Neuralink thing is crazy to me. But so this is a guy. But oh, hang on. Before you get into Elon Musk, what do, what do you think about what I just said? What are you willing to sacrifice in order for disease to go away? Are we uh, are we going to sacrifice our body's data? I mean, they already have our mind. If you think about it, they already have our mind. Where I'm literally putting my thoughts out there on the internet for people to see. Yeah. So you already have my mind, right? What about the body? Is that the next thing that can be exploited or what? Or, you know, where, where do we go from here? Like we have a choice. There's let's let's not just say they, because we don't know who the hell we're talking about, but let's say there's a group of people who come up with, I know how to fix disease. Oh, how? Yeah, we put a small microchip in people, we monitor their symptoms, and as soon as there's a pre-symptom, we get them the medication that they need in order for them to never be sick again. Would you take that? No. No? No. Why not? We're talking about uh, eradicating all disease. Like you don't have to worry about diabetes. You don't have to worry about the uh, heart attack. You don't have to worry about nothing. You wouldn't take that? No. If the whole world, I mean, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. If the, they told you the whole world will be able to get this for free. Nah. Would you do that? Nah. Even if you're saving babies. What? Even if no, you're saving that's, babies, that's, that's, you, you're born, no, that's, that's you're weird. implanted with the chip. No, that stuff's weird. Why is it weird? It's just like taking, um, uh, just like donating sperm. That's weird to me. Like, you're going to go impregnate some woman with the sperm from my body? Like, but now hang, there's hang a, on. Don't, there, don't now there's get a off, child out there. Like, don't get off that's track here. You don't know what's happening. You, no, I mean, that's what's happening. No, You're selling your data to be disease-free. No. You wouldn't do that? No. Why? Give because, me a good reason. Uh, Well, one, because I ain't putting no goddamn chip in my body. That's not a good reason. Yes, that's a very good reason. That's not a good and reason. Everyone, that's a personal choice. Everyone who doesn't so, live under a rock, who doesn't speak any form of any language, would understand why you don't put a chip in your body. Why? Because that's one of the signs of the beast. Again, again, we're getting this from a belief, right? Aside from that, aside from the beliefs, scientifically speaking, I'm not talking about... Oh, then I'll put everything in me. I'll become a cyborg. I don't care. Well, that's what I'm wondering. None of that matters. If it doesn't exist, then it doesn't matter. 
That's what I'm wondering. If it cures all disease, would we be able to, would we sacrifice our body's data in order to eradicate all disease? Yes. <laughs> so, like you said, what if this is like they're prepping us for that day? But it won't be that. It'd be dis- it, it will be deception. But if it's deception, how do we know it's true? And what's true and what's not? That's the point. <laughs> You're, you don't know already, and that's where the uh, that's where the the mistrust comes in. So, I mean, this is crazy, right? Yep. It's really crazy to think. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about a certain company owning any type of patents. I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, I from a business standpoint, I understand that if you come up with it, if you come up with a disease, that's fine. But I don't mm-hmm. understand how people are patenting things that are not even patentable yet. Like the vaccine yeah. for the COVID-19 isn't... I, I heard there was a lot of patents or there was a patent in particular that was made, but not necessarily... I don't necessarily know if it was for the COVID-19 and so anyway, the story was that they had patented before the vaccine became available. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like before it even became a thing, like years, like a couple years ago. Let me let me look. I think it was the the Gates, the Bill Gates Foundation has patent on COVID nineteen. Oh, so I, I, so there was a somewhat of a conversation about it, but fact check: Did Gates Foundation fund and the Spielberg Institute own coronavirus patent? So multiple posts on Facebook claim a research institute funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Wow, look at this, Greg. Speaking about cookies, now I can't. Read the article if I don't agree to uh, yeah. my data. There's a and lot then, of those sites lately that are Google, like reportable. And then Google sent me. Wow. Just check this out, Craig, okay? And, and let's not lose the spot here. I got an ad. It says from Google it says, answer a survey question to continue reading this content. Question one of two. Which of the following education have you heard of? Check all answers that apply. Herzing University, Chamberlain University. You know, so they're giving me, they're asking me if they've targeted me accurately in terms of what we were just talking about, education. Yep. Are you kidding me? They're I mean, foreplaying you, you right now. You can't make this up. They're doing some foreplay, and then they're going to be having sex with you, and then they're going to ask you if it's okay. (laughs) This is so crazy. Yeah. So I'm exiting that page. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I think that the conversation is a larger one that we – it's bigger than this podcast. The conversation should be amongst your friends, amongst your family, amongst your doctors – Gather the information that you need. You know, where are these vaccines coming from? 
what's the guarantee? Um, I mean, I was listening to another op- um, Joe Rogan podcast today, man. And while I was driving and uh, he was talking about how some people, well, there was an article he read that there were some people who were experiencing levels of psychosis and brain damage along with the coronavirus symptoms. So this is yeah. it's bizarre, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we really don't know. And, you know, I guess the, the, be- the better thing is let's get informed. Let's make some informed decisions. But let's first of all, let's start a conversation because I feel like I mean, have have any of your parents or friends or family talked to you about this at all? Like Just about vaccines? vaccines or, you know, are you going to get vaccinated? Yeah. yeah, but I mean, there's not really anything new to get vaccinated for. So, <laughs> except for this, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like. If I did have this, I don't, like, I feel recovered. Can I get it again? Sure, maybe. But, like, I don't know. It just seems kind of weird. Like, it doesn't seem like people are, are like, are dying from this, from, like, a, a crazy symptom. It seems to be that it's just exaggerating symptoms of something they already have. So like one person may be dying because they can't breathe and someone else will be dying because uh, they had diabetes and now they're going to, they're going to die of more of a diabetes symptom that got exaggerated. Yeah. So that's why it's like very confusing. You don't really know what it is almost. Right. Like, like the Black Plague, like they're they're coughing up blood and dying. <laughs> yeah. So, well, this miss- is definitely. I guess the whole point of this is just to start the conversation. We wanted to look back in history, and and to see how people did without a vaccine and you know as we talked early on and we discussed the early on on the podcast about the uh spanish flu and how it killed 50 million people you know compared compared to today um yeah i mean big difference and we still don't have a vaccine so i mean we still and i guess we're still in the middle of it so we don't know what's going to happen but it seems like we caught it just in time, you know, for our know. numbers not to be that large. It seems that social distancing and the masks and everything, the technology that was developed in early in the 1900s is still effective today. That, that's what I really found amazing. So vaccine or not, keep your mask on, you know, keep social distancing yourself, quarantine yourself. If you feel like you may be sick, I mean, I think it's just common sense at this point. Yeah. You know, and, you know, if you, even if you just to, so on another point, if you guys just Google vaccines for COVID-19, just the amount of money that is being made on 
stories that are, yeah, they're about to vaccine, but the vaccine's not ready. We know that for sure. So all these things with clickbaity titles and everything, they're just, in, they want you to read them. They don't really go anywhere. Um, it's like an overload of information. Right, Greg? Yeah. So you get the conspiracy theories that Bill Gates has already got it. <laughs> it says one, one of them says Maryland man may be first person successfully vaccinated against COVID-19 yeah 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 this is weird um, so I mean we're seven months we're still living and kicking and um, I mean there's not much we can do but uh, like I said keep your social distancing on to avoid crowded spaces um, and start this conversation whether you're going to want the vaccine or not. Start the conversation with your friends and family, co-workers, you know, everyone. Everyone you know, see where people are. Um, yeah, this is this is this one's a tough one because this rabbit hole doesn't seem to go very far. Like we can sit here and speculate that people are are evildoers and they want to do this harm on people and impose harm on people and whatnot. But that speculation could only go so far because at at some point we need evidence. And so, what would be the evidence? Like some of us wait until people get vaccinated, and then they. And if they start getting like this new data or whatever, then you know. But if you start these these new companies start popping up, like instead of a wear a Fitbit, get a chip, you know, then then we know it's a little weird. But until then, until we until we see the fire, you know, let's not get crazy about a little smoke. It, It might be smaller than we think it is. It, you know, the vaccine might actually be something worth getting, you know. You always keep your smoke alarm with batteries in it, though. Yeah, I mean, keep a watchful eye to your research. Don't just do things because people said it, you know. And and I think for me, I don't know how you feel, Greg, but that's the purpose of today. Opening up the conversation when it comes to vaccines. Yeah. You know. We're we're hearing it everywhere in the news, yet I don't hear people talking about it. Just because the news says it doesn't mean anything. You know, talk to your friends. How how do people feel about it? How do you feel about it? Leave a comment. Start the conversation on a thread. Let us know what you guys think. Um, Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. You know, that's we're not asking you guys to support this podcast. Well, in fact, the only support we're looking for is to subscribe, leave a comment so it can help our algorithm so we can track you better, basically. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys have any other comments in regards to vaccines, leave a comment. Let us know. We're happy to engage in all platforms. This podcast will drop tomorrow on every platform. Um, and check out our last podcast, Freebird, uh, for 4th of July special. I really enjoyed that one. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's all I have today. Do you have anything, any last final thoughts, Greg? No, that's that's it. Just, yeah, uh, I think we, we kind of hit a wall in this rabbit hole. I mean, it, it only goes so far. You know, you need to be versed and you need to know the language and you need to have somewhat of an understanding in regards to how vaccines work and just the whole science behind it, which is something that Greg and I lack. So, um, yeah, just uh, subscribe. We'll see you guys next week. We'll talk. To, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you guys then. Hey, guys. See you later.